0: Welcome to the first official episode of Foundation by Story Archives. I am your host, Mario Busto, alongside...
1: Zachary Newton, your other host. Welcome. Ladies and
0: gentlemen, Foundation. We've been wanting to do this since we saw it. I feel like this was Apple's first foray. This was like the drop it on the table, whip it out, let people know you're there. (laughs) You know, I feel like this was their... Yeah, people have been trying to make this for 50 years. We're Mm going to do it. It influenced Star Wars, it influenced Dune, it's the godfather of science fiction, and we're a brand new streaming service, and we're going to be the ones to do it. And I don't know, when was when did the show release?
1: Like the uh, first season of it? It's I 20, think it released two years ago. Two years ago? Okay, it, so. It was 2021.
0: We had just, I mean, the idea for Story Archives of doing this entertainment podcast has, was just bubbling at that point. And we had just seen Foundation. And we loved it. I mean, I know I loved it. I know you loved it when mm-hmm. we talked about it. It has everything you want as a science fiction fan. Political intrigue. You got like the hero's journey, all sorts of cyberpunky, Blade Runner-y type stuff, which is funny because Foundation probably inspired all of that when you watch it. I mean, I remember watching the launch trailer and there's a specific shot. I think, it's, I, think I wrote it down at 11.05 in the episode when they're yeah. in the canoe on Synax. Yeah. And they're canoeing um, Gale's character out of to the ship to leave the planet. Yeah, and you can see the rings, almost like Jupiter rings, over the top of them. It looks like something out of Destiny or No Man's Sky if you play video games. <laughs> it looks so cool. And I was in the moment I saw like that and the art for Trantor. I was like, Nah, this is this is gonna be insane.
1: I haven't so, played the game. My brother has, but it, it when I, when I have seen it, it looks spectacular. So.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I wanted to do a little intro here to welcome everybody, as you guys know. If you're listening to the podcast, you probably know us for Silo at this point. But the way our show works is that we focus on one main show at a time. So our show title will change. Season two of Foundation comes out July 14th, which is why we want to start a weekly episodic commentary of season one, going week to week, episode by episode. There's 10 episodes. So we're going to ramp this up every Wednesday to try to catch up just in time for the premiere of Foundation season two. And then when Silo season one is over, we will be changing the name of our podcast where you see it. So, don't be surprised. It'll just change to Foundation on Apple TV by Story Archives. And we'll give you guys a heads up. We also would love any suggestions of shows that you may want us to cover on the show. Right now, because Zach and I do this, um, not a, I mean, we focus a lot of hours. I don't know how many hours we focus a week on, on podcasting at this definitely point. It's definitely growing. <laughs> yeah, it's def- definitely growing. But adding that to what we do in our to pay the bills in, the, in, in, yeah. in our respective homes. <laughs> um, yeah, we, we mix this in there. So we're capped right now probably three or four episodes a week, but we're down to hear any suggestions. We write them all down. Apologies. I did say I was going to get to all of the fan email this weekend, and I did not. So I'm planning on getting around to that between today and tomorrow. Hopefully by our instant reaction on Friday, I'll have gotten to them. All right. This is the long intro.
2: Zach, exactly, do you have anything thing- to add?
1: Yeah, the only thing I think that you missed here was how to contact us. So you can send us oh, an email yeah. at contact at soapbox.house. We'll get that uh, right in our inbox and be able to to read it, and respond to you.
0: Perfect. All right, now let me get into my little spiel about background on the foundation as a series. As we have talked about on the show before, Apple has done a tremendous job. Truly, Apple sponsor us, please. We're just giving. We're just propaganda for you at this point. Phenomenal. Yeah, they've do, they've done an incredible <laughs> job just adapting some of the greatest books into television shows and films. And this one's no different, although it's probably the most famous book that they've adapted into a television show at this point. Um, The Foundation was written as a trilogy. I think there's more books in that. I will preface right now, I have not read The Foundation. So if you're expecting a deep, deep knowledge of everything Isaac Asimov and The Foundation, this is probably not where you're going to find it. But what you will find is a television commentary. And uh, a general sci-fi enthusiast point of view.
1: Yeah. Uh, we're, foundation. we're not, we're not going to be able to compare and contrast a lot of things there. I, I think there ended up being like seven books, by the way.
0: Seven books? Okay. Yeah. We'll get all of our info, right? I mean, as we continue on the show, and anybody who is a foundation um, junkie out there who could correct us and help us dive into this world, because that's what we're doing. We're diving into this world with you. If you already love it and grew up with it, uh, that's what we're doing now from the commentary side of things. Uh Isaac Asimov is the author of the Foundation series, wrote it around 1942. It started as a bunch of short stories between 1942 to 1950. Then he re released it as a three collection part from 1951 to 1953. Won the best all time series in 1966, the Hugo Award, which recognizes the best sci fi and fantasy works on a yearly basis. Apparently, this show, like I mentioned before, has been, they have been trying to make it for over 50 years. And it has influenced everything from Dune to Star Wars. Some people say that Dune is actually a commentary on the Foundation. It's a mm-hmm. different outlook where we won't get into, a, maybe it's kind of spoilery, but the Foundation's hero is the Foundation while Dune's focuses more on the Mule. And that's, that, I think we haven't even gotten to that yet to figure out how that even plays out. Interesting. Foundation itself is based upon a book by Edward Gibbons called History of the Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire. So, you'll see a lot of parallels between the Roman Empire falling and the decline of it with the Galactic Empire inside of Foundation. Also, I think every sci-fi, beloved sci-fi series we know has a Galactic Empire. It's the main antagonist in the Star Wars series. In Dune, I would say there's like part antagonist, part protagonist because you have the Atreides family. That is an, a galactic empire, but you also have an empire over them in a mm. way that's kind of, I think, nefarious in the way that they act in Dune. Uh, it's inspired everyone from, you know, Elon Musk. He counts like he counts the series among one of his inspirations for his career. I don't know if you knew that. But. I did not know that.
3: That's yeah. very interesting.
1: Is that well, why he's trying to get to Mars?
0: Well, do you remember in 2018 when the Falcon Heavy they launched it into space and he launched the the Tesla Roadster? Yeah. Okay, well, on there, he put a 5D optical copy of the Foundation series amongst other things. Huh. So, it was, was kind of like what Harry Seldon says in episode one, the galactic encyclopedia that we we're mm-hmm. talking about. I think he put all of the pieces of Earth's history that he wanted if like some sort of alien civilization or somebody stumbled upon this Tesla Roadster. That's hilarious. Years from now. <laughs> Hopefully, all it doesn't right.
1: just crash into a planet. Yeah.
0: I think on episode two, I want to go a little bit more into the television side and the people who made this happen on Apple TV. The show creator, one of them is David S. Goyer, and I'd like to talk a little bit more about them, but not on this episode. We'll dive deeper into the talents on the show, the crew, and the people who made it happen for season one and what they possibly have planned for season two as the series progresses. And if you're tuning in out there, please let us know if you're going to watch along with us, if you've already seen Foundation season one and how you like the idea for this podcast of us doing something like this in between our silo series. But yeah, we are committed every Wednesday from now on until we finish Foundation Season 1, until we roll into Season 2. And now let's get into Season 1, Episode 1, titled The Emperor's Peace.
1: Such an interesting title, because there's not a lot of peace. (laughs) Well, it's The Emperor's (laughs) Peace, you know? And if it's...
0: I got to say, the casting of Lee Pace as the Emperor in this was just a brilliant casting. And I've seen Lee Pace in everything from, uh, he plays a villain in I think Guardians of the Galaxy in the the first one, I believe. And he also, he's in a show that was on AMC, I think the Godfather that introduced the golden era of television for the most part. Mm. He he played a Steve Jobs-esque character. He, he ran a computer company in the 1980s and I forget the name. I love the show, man. I just, I'm blanking on the name of it right now. Great show though.
1: AMC. I, I think he's an amazing cast for this role. He also reminds me so much of Loki, not just him as a, mm. as a person, but the, the character itself really like, it's like, it's like watching Loki in an alternate universe. Can Jimmy pull up whether Lee Pace is
0: American? Because if he's American, I'm going to say hot take. He's America's Tom Hiddleston. That's a great... He's an American actor. there right, we go. We'll claim him as the American Tom Hiddleston, but I feel like that's a knock on Lee Pace. I feel like he's just as talented as, as Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> All right, intro. We get introduced to Terminus and from what I understand, the foundation, season one takes place across spans of years. Uh, you're introduced to this galactic, oh, not this, uh, this galactic empire that's led by a genetic dynasty, mm-hmm. which essentially means that it's the same individual. It's based on Cleon the First. Yep. Right? Cleon the First, who is this emperor of the galactic empire. And it's three versions of him. It's like a little kid version, an adult version who's in power, and then Dusk. All right. So, it's dawn, di- Don, Don, Dusk, and Day. Don is in training. He's like a little kid version. Mm-hmm. Day is the one in power, which is played by Lee Pace. And then you have Dusk, who is like the counselor who kind of just works on the mural all day. That's, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, he,
1: he just kind of helps nudge people yeah. a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. What a nice
0: guy. <laughs> you got you to gotta love the intro to episode one because it's kind of like a, look at our fancy budget and look at all of the locations that we got for this show and yeah. look at our visual effects on and Compare them to your favorite series out there and can you
1: believe that this series is on TV and not
0: on IMAX in a movie theater?
1: Yeah, it looks incredible right off the bat, you know, it really made me think of Star Wars like that little, like little speeder going by, a yeah, little, little yeah. hovercraft. I'm like, oh, okay. What is this, Tatooine or something?
0: Well, I think of, I thought of um, Space Odyssey 2001 mm. where there's this monolith and nobody knows what it is and why it's there. And it's, I I still don't know, I've seen that movie like two or three times, but (laughs) this vault that's on Terminus, and Terminus is on the outer, on the outskirts of the empire, Mm -hmm. pretty much protected by the empire, but not with direct oversight. You can see why it's the perfect place of why Harry Seldon would have wanted his foundation to be here. Although we don't find out till later in the episode that this civilization we're seeing, these little kids who are trying to test the boundaries of this mysterious monolithic vault that with this magnetic force that apparently repels every living creature, mm-hmm. we don't know that this is in the future and that this is the foundation that Harry's going to build. Yeah. So we start the episode seeing like this kind of ritual of these kids. You could figure if you lived on this planet that this is probably what kids did pretty often because you, you could see these little flags of people trying to get as close to the vaults as possible. Mm-hmm. Sort of reminds me of King Arthur's uh, sword. Hmm. or think about it, I mean, there's one sword, nobody can get near you nobody can pull it out of the rock, mm-hmm. right, but you have this one person on uh in the foundation who can get close to it, yeah so Salvor Harden is very much like the chosen person, in my opinion, she's the suit. chosen
1: one it's definitely it's definitely how they you know kind of picture her in this, yeah. We don't. We don't really I, see her up close to to this thing until the very end. It's it, very it's implied when when she pulls the kid away. Yeah. After he passes out. But oh, by the way, I wrote a note
0: there. The way she saves this little, like, kind of like looking Indian kid. Uh huh. She pulls him by the feet across this rocky terrain. I'm like, yeah. there's rocks everywhere. You're gonna give this kid a concussion if he's not dead. You killed him, dragging him open. across the rocks. <laughs> yeah, so, that,
1: that's a good point.
0: Yeah, they do allude to the fact that she is immune to whatever effects this um, vault, they call it, has. And something I don't remember. I mean, I don't remember what's inside of the vault because we are doing a rewatch of this series at this point. I don't remember exactly what was inside of it. Me neither. However, it's, it's important enough that Gale says... It's the hope of the gal of it's like pretty much the fate of the galactic empire rests on it or the entire foundation rests upon it.
1: So, I it, it really has been a while since I've seen it, so I, I don't know either. I, I can't recall if it's like is it is it like some big server? <laughs> I, I've got to refresh my memory on this one. It's the thing
0: outside of the silo. In Silo, that's keep, I'm just kidding.
1: Ah, oh, perfect. Yeah, that's What is these si- two things. Tylo is on. Uh, what if Silo's
0: a prequel to, <laughs> it's actually, they're not on Terminus, they're on Trantor. Mm. Because think about it, that would be such a Trantor thing. Just these silos of people working for the good of the galactic <laughs> empire. You don't get to see the earth
1: Well, because I'm, the earth I belongs mean, to the genetic dynasty. Trantor is completely covered in <laughs> people and yeah. it's a hundred levels deep, so it's almost as deep as that silo goes. Did, my question about
0: Trantor, because you see this giant rod with mm-hmm. this space station looking
3: thing at the top, right? Yeah. Does it go a hundred levels deep into the earth? Yes. Yes, okay, interesting. Yeah, that's, that's what I heard when I, was, when I was watching the episode. It,
1: it, it goes it, They started on the surface, and then because they became, like, so overpopulated, they've got, like, what, trillions of people that live there? Hundreds of no, trillions? Of, no, no. Eight
0: it? trillion people that live in eight the trillion. entire empire. Okay. Not Trantor.
1: Okay, all right. Well, whatever whatever the number is on Trantor, they became overpopulated, so they started to kind of, like, dig down deep. So they have different levels across, from what I can tell, at least, the entire planet going 100 levels deep. Uh, and then each of, like, the levels which by the way seem big like if, if we think about silo for a moment and and the le- levels that we have there oh yeah they're yeah, they're yeah. just like normal floors in a building maybe a little bigger mm-hmm. these these levels to me looked Look massive! Like you've got a ton of headroom, and you know, up at the top, they've got you know some sort of display, of course, so that it feels like you're not under, (laughs) under some other all uh, things that I like layer level
0: that I learned on the rewatch on the fact that the sky is projected down there, which Mm -hmm. makes now perfect sense. Thinking about it before, how the hell would you have the sky down there? But yeah, uh, I don't think I understood the full depth of that tran. I don't know even know whether to call the planet Trantor or to call this giant. Thing that it, this giant city sprawling across, you know, this planet, Transor. I don't know.
1: I think the planet would be Trantor. It's just it's basically grown into one monolithic like city.
0: Yeah, very very quickly. Now we go thirty five years earlier after we see Salvor Hardin save Polly from passing out in front of the vault, mm-hmm. and we meet the man who apparently. Was the catalyst for all of the events that take place in the future? Harry Seldon. He's a mathematician, martyr, and a murderer. Apparently, so we get a little bit of hmm. We get a little bit of mystery in terms of what is going to happen with Harry in in his lifeline, where he's com- He is known as a martyr and a murderer.
1: Yeah, it, we get an l- intro to him. It can, it it doesn't give me the feeling you know, that, that he's good or bad, right? It, it kind of just like let, lets you tilt back and forth. I don't, I don't know. We're going we're gonna to see what he turns out to be here. I love oh. the actor, by the way, Jared Harris.
0: Yes, yes. I wanted to talk about that a, a little later, about some of their casting choices here. We meet Harry, seldom played by Jared Harris, who's in Mad Men and Chernobyl and all sorts of other shows. Mm-hmm. And he's with his assistant, Raish, who's kind of like his right-hand man. Uh, I wouldn't call him an enforcer yet, but just seems to be his right hand man, S- kind of like a son figure. Um, if you
1: ask me, I believe he he adopted Raish. so I think it, it technically is like his son, his son, believe, okay. something like that. Yeah.
0: Do they mention that he adopted him in the first episode?
1: I believe. I believe. Yeah, when we were looking back at uh him and and his son, when it was like him looking at um. Mm at the numbers or whatever, and they're trying mm-hmm. to figure some things out. He walks up to them. Interesting.
0: Well, that leads us to something. They're kind of plotting something that we don't quite know the details of yet, which leads us to our next protagonist. It feels like we have three protagonists so far in this episode, although I don't know if I could consider Harry Seldon a protagonist. But our main one, and I consider our main one, is Gail. Gail Dornick and she's on this really cool looking water planet which by the way we just saw the shot at 1105 that I was telling you about mm-hmm. of, of the Jupiter rings over the top. It looks super cool. It does look really neat. Our protagonist and narrator so far of the show Gail, she's a mathematician who solved this ancient puzzle called Abraxas I believe mm-hmm. and in solving this puzzle she's, le- she's pretty much broken every taboo on, on her planet Synax where it's illegal to be curious about ancient knowledge, ancient whatever, you know? Science,
1: math, yeah. they, they outlawed it and oh, focused on religion.
0: A little detail that you don't know until you see later on in the show is that in her hands, when she's about to leave the planet, she's in her little house, she has her prayer stones in her hands. She's playing with her prayer stones, which apparently is a cultural thing in Synax, where if you break the law, they rip the prayer stones from your face. Mm-hmm or cut them out of your face so that God can't see you pretty much. Mm-hmm. That's like the that's the the way it plays in their culture from what I understand. Yeah. So she she has a very speedy departure from her family who we see <laughs> very very shortly. Seems like a good family losing their daughter forever pretty much uh, to go to Trantor. She seems to have just solved this puzzle that was a galactic um what's the word I'm looking for? test uh, galactic competition she, like, <laughs> yeah it was like a galactic mathematical competition like if I was a math teacher I'm using this show as propaganda positive propaganda for my students to understand that math is crucial
1: crucially important
0: how about you yeah totally, totally. I, I, I wasn't a big math fan
1: I, I'm not a big math fan either that uh, supposedly I was good but I, um, I, won't. I, won't, I, won't, I won't I won't I won't try to use that much more than I really need to Um, did you catch how long it took for somebody to solve the Braxis? He said over 500 years. That's what I heard too. Yeah. It was like 500 years they were looking for it. But that can't mean that he's 500 years old. That's the, that's the thing that I'm a little confused on is, is the, how quickly these. By he, I mean Harry Seldon. Yeah. Harry Seldon. I'm not, I'm not sure. I don't think he'd be 500 years old. I don't think that would be possible. I feel like the, these are human
0: beings. I did want to make a mention because you mentioned Jared Harris who plays Harry Seldon. And I mentioned Lee Pace who plays the emperor. The show has done a terrific job of mixing and matching recognizable faces with mm-hmm. actors who I would say are unknown or l- less recognizable to the, to the uh, average TV show uh, movie viewer. I don't recognize pretty much any actor here aside from uh, Lee Pace and Jared Harris. Uh, Same. As of now. I will mention a character for whom, to me, who stole scenes in this episode was Gerald. It's the man who meets Gail on the jump ship as she's leaving Synax and on her way to Trantor. Mm. He's kind of like the spy master for the Galactic Empire, but seems way more sincere. Well, maybe that just means he's good at his job.
3: Yeah, what
1: would you think of Gerald on the ship? I'm I'm a little skeptical of anybody that tries to be very friendly <laughs> quickly. Yeah, <laughs> they get on this jump ship that looks like it has like a black hole <laughs> on the middle of the ship. That's that's what I thought too. Like I I was kind of thinking about you know how they how they travel around because my understanding of the way that this machine works mm-hmm. is that it's not it's not like um uh star wars where it's like
3: uh we're going light speed speed. you're moving you're moving faster
1: than the speed of light right with this so i mean i don't i'm not a science individual (laughs) so i don't really know what the the uh, theories here would be but i imagine someone else can help us with that yeah i imagine it would have to be some sort of black hole that kind of like lets you kind of like teeter on the edge of where you know outside of you know space and time so that you can I guess, jump to these different areas.
0: Yeah, I did want to make a mention, if you do have theories about how this jump ship works, email us at contacttheshoebox.house. We will read your emails as to your theories or your knowledge on how a ship like this could work, even though it does not exist currently. Okay. So she meets Gerald, and something major happens on the ship, which is kind of like a little tidbit of mystery on the show. Gail wakes up on the jump, because there's these weird looking creatures called spacers or, yeah, yeah I believe they're called spacers. spacers. They almost look like
1: avatar creatures. They do. They kind of look robotic too.
0: Yeah. Like a mix of like cyborg avatars. And she wakes up during the hyper, hyper warp speed moment where everyone else is like in a cryo type sleep mm-hmm. or not cryo sleep, but like uh, something like that. They're sedated or something. Yeah. Yeah. And the spacer comes over to her and says, how are you awake? Which makes, I mean, it doesn't answer the question as to what makes Gail different and why she's different from that. Is that a Synax thing? If you brought someone else from Synax, would they be able to stay awake Mm -hmm. during a jump like that? They don't make it seem that way based on the reaction to it.
1: That's interesting. I'm not quite sure what to think of it. I know, you know, throughout this episode, I I think there's... There's at least one. There might be two scenarios where she kind of like gets this intuition that something bad is about to happen. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like maybe, maybe she had some feeling and it kind of woke her up. Like something's not right. I, I really don't know. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I once sure what woke to make up in the. It.
0: I once woke up in the middle of a surgery before. The. Uh, I was I was like a little kid. They were, <laughs> they were operating on me, and I woke up in the middle of the surgery. They had to stop the surgery. They didn't even complete it. That's terrifying.
1: Yeah, right? (laughs) uh, Mario's just been living the rest of his life scarred from that.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. I literally have a scar from the the surgery. It was like removing like a, I don't even remember what it was. Like a, I don't know, like a cyst or something. I was like a little. But, all right. Trantor, our introduction to Trantor looks incredible. And also looks, um, based on what we know in this episode, it looks a little too vulnerable for me to be just in space in, one of the, in this tube just floating over, over this planet, you know?
1: Yeah. I, I've, I've heard a lot of little, little stories about like, well, why don't we just build like an elevator to space, right? Like that's exactly what this is. This is why. <laughs> this yeah, is th- th- why. This is this why. That. Because we don't want to wipe out a hundred million people.
0: <laughs> How about this? It takes 14 hours to go from the top Crazy. of Trantor, that space station. To the bottom of Trantor. And by the way, this tower is so tall that the emperor, when it falls later in this episode, which by the way, what a hell of a way to go.
1: Oh my gosh.
0: To to be on this elevator and somebody decides they're going to blow it up. Horrible.
1: Terrifying.
0: It better happen fast is all I got to say. Yeah. Because that's got to be the most horrifying way to go. The emperor does mention though, that it wrapped around the entire planet. Yep. So this tower is long enough that it can go around the entire circumference of the planet.
1: It, <laughs> you, you know, I I'm actually I kind of as, as I think about that more, it it blows my mind that this was not worse than it was. Like to me, <laughs> this was that catastrophic event that that Harry Seldon was was telling us about, right? Like like think about. What if we got hit by an asteroid that was big enough to wrap around the freaking planet? I feel like it would it would wipe out everything. Now, sure, maybe it's not moving as quickly, but I I don't know. You got to cut something in half. It's massive. I, I
0: I mean, we don't know to to what extent this Earth this planet. I keep on wanting to call it Earth, like the natural planet that mm-hmm. remains of Trantor. How much of it is inhabited by these emperors? Because, to, I mean, they say that the natural, what's left of the natural planet is for the emperors only. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of space, pal. So they, they're so egomaniacal that they said, hey, all y'all have to either live underground or live above ground, but you cannot touch this natural earth here.
2: Yeah.
0: I, I, they do think they're gods in a way because they're, they're the 12th clone. 12th cloned emperor since Cleon I. This is Cleon the 12th that we're looking at, looking at here, right? And our first impression of Cleon the 12th is his altercation with a mural cleaner, this giant mural of souls, I think they call it. And it's a cleaner who's worked with them for 68 years, who has a book of Harry Seldon's in his room, apparently. And they call Harry the raven that's what the people call him mm. the reason they call him the raven is i think alluding to the fact that they think that the people think he can predict the future mm-hmm. because harry's created this science called psychohistory which uses mathematics to predict the actions of a large of large masses of people but he needs a large mass of people he can't predict individual action he can only predict what society will do mm-hmm. i got to say that's a pretty convenient theory uh, I you know count me as of now on the side of the galactic empire. It feels like a, a self-fulfilling prophecy. It's similar to those prophecies those uh you would hear like in the in the 50s like hey we're going to run out of food and then you know mass food production, you know? Yeah. Like these things where oh something horrible's going to happen and then if something horrible does happen it's like oh I told you so. It's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you can make enough people scared of the thing <laughs> and the thing occurs does it mean you were right or that you had some sort of role in the actual, you know, in the formula to make
1: it happen? You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, they also generally are pretty generic, right? Like something bad's going to happen. Something good will come. Yeah. Somebody, too, somebody will help us.
2: Like, it's, it's too okay, vague. Come it's on. too
1: vague. Sure. You know, one day you're going to have some little, uh, you know, person come, come help and just save, save the universe. If you keep moving the goalposts, you can never measure if you were right or wrong.
0: Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, it's very convenient. Like, now he's going to claim it. Like, when the tower goes down the day of their trial, which I I don't know if it happened like that in the book. Uh, I have no idea. That's pretty convenient timing, you know? Mm -hmm. Also, when he opens the Prime Radiant, it's indiscernible. It it looks like the Epcot ball. (laughs) What What am I looking at? You I don't know. know. It it's, it's it's I I, I feel uh, for the Emperor. He says things like, Oh, how convenient. The only two people that's my leave pace impression. The only <laughs> two people who can save the Galactic Empire are here in this room. I gotta say that he played it perfect. I would have done the same thing as Emperor. I would have said, Go work on your foundation on another planet, get the hell out of this one. If you're right, we'll come back, we'll use it for for the good of the Empire. If you're wrong,
1: you can just fade into obscurity. All right? Yeah. You- <laughs> You you want to you want to hear one thing that I have heard that is very yeah. different from I, I guess the book and the show. Okay, yeah, hit me. There is no cloning.
0: That's what I heard. Okay, I thought I, I didn't want to say it because I wasn't certain there was no genetic dynasty.
1: Yeah, I, Do you know I, more I've about I've that? Mo- not a lot. No, i, I just I, I heard it was one way that they deviated. I don't really know why. So maybe maybe I'll look into that later. But I've, I've heard it on multiple accounts. Cool. Well, the
0: main conflict we see in episode one is between these two barbarian tribes, as the emperor calls them, the Anacrian and the Thespis. And I think we can all think of various uh, tribal groups or cultures that don't get along in real life that could be um, alluded to
3: Yeah.
0: and the rivalry that these two have together.
1: Yeah. You know, I, I thought later on in the episode when, uh, what was it, Brother Day... Uh, was was talking, or I can't remember who said, "Yeah, but they're enemies. Like they are together. They, they hate each other. It's they just, hate. It just it it seemed kind of ignorant, right? Like sure, they they hate each other, but you kind of seem like a common enemy to me. Like you're you don't look you don't look like you've got a lot of friends in the uh, galactic universe.
0: Yeah, and it and I do want to get back to the the common enemy theme at the end of of this episode. Um. Because I think it does play a part in, in the fall of Trantor, mm. right? Okay, as we mentioned before, all three Emperors pretty much live together. It's a very weird setup. Uh, Dawn is like Emperor in training, Day is in power, and Dusk is counselor of sorts. Uh, Day does get the best lines, though. Emperor Day gets the best lines. He's had several great one-liners in this episode, starting with one uh, with, um, with his mural cleaner, where he goes, words have a way of fanning into Ravenous fires I think he says Something like that <laughs> He has another Reference that I thought Was great Where he's talking to The youngest of the emperors And he tells him Because the Anacrian And Thespis traveled Across the, the galaxy yeah. To come meet before him About this conflict And he tells him But there was Imperial blood That got spilled In between their conflict That's the The funeral procession That we're seeing mm-hmm. As Gale gets off Of the ship Into Trantor Well he says to uh, Brother D- Don Brother I gotta get that right Brother Don, get dressed nice. This won't be the most important thing you do this week, but it'll be the most important thing they do in their lifetimes. That is (laughs) such a good,
3: like, that is such a good line. Such a good line. Okay. Gail on her way to
0: Selden. Gail immediately sort of meets a love interest. She seems to be interested in Rach, uh, Harry's adopted son. Yeah, I you think I Harry's doing some matchmaking here?
2: <clears throat> maybe. Yeah,
1: maybe. I'll 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 talk about that later on. All right. Okay. You got a take on that? Interesting. I, I do I do, but I I think part of it comes from from
3: episode two, so I don't know if I want to get into it in this one. Okay. Okay. Interesting.
0: We see the Mural of Souls, which is this depiction of a 4th century age of peace and the Galactic family's role inside of that, I guess. And we see the mural moves around. It's this really incredible looking art piece that that seems to evolve and move Mm -hmm. as well. Demerzel, who's sort of like the Emperor's servant or aide, I'm not sure her role yet, but she seems to be very important to what they do on the Emperor's side of things.
1: Mm-hmm. She's also like a, a cyborg.
0: Yeah, I, she's definitely not human. And one of the guests on the Anacrian side says something sort of smart assy in his own language. You can, uh, you can tell he's definitely making light of what he's seeing on the wall or making fun of
2: something on the wall.
3: Yeah.
0: Back to Gail. She finally meets Harry. Uh, she sees this incredible library, which is completely... It would, blow, it would blow your mind, right? If you're coming from a complete water planet that's illegal to read books. Yeah. And then you see this giant library where all of this knowledge is just there for the taking.
1: Oh, it's, it's incredible. Now, I didn't mention it earlier, but when I was uh, watching this, both the first time and, and again upon rewatch, uh, the first thing that came to mind when I saw Tranter was like, wow, this looks like Coruscant from Star Wars. <laughs> and mm, then you
0: know, this, I'm, I'm this not enough room. of a Star Wars um, buff. To know every
1: city, I think you might have just lost some followers on that one. Yeah, uh, Cor- Cor- Coruscant is is like it's a massive planet, and it's it's a it's a it's like a big city, just like this. Um, is it the one in episode two that
0: Anakin goes to with all the flying cars everywhere?
3: I believe they're at it in episode two. Yeah. Oh,
0: okay, <laughs> maybe I do know
3: this. This
1: um library kind of kind of reminded me a little bit of of uh like the like the hall of records there or something. It, it just visually looks kind of familiar. Hmm. A lot of information, a lot of data.
0: This episode's full of data. Probably the the heaviest episode we've ever commentated on because there's so many little details everywhere in it. Uh, Harry, there's a lot of subtext between his conversation with Gail because you, as you're meeting Harry, he just looks untrustworthy. His tone you can tell that he's thinking
1: 10 steps ahead.
0: (laughs) Yes. Like he's not in the conversation with you, right? He's very much measuring Gail as we find out he knows the entire time that they are both going to be arrested the following day. So what a welcoming present to Trantor to tell someone that they will be arrested the next day. She's been brought there for a specific purpose really. And a kind of a, I got to say, you know, they put the emperor and Harry side, side by side and you, you know, they're sort of mirrors of each other in a way. I don't know if mm. Harry's this pure protagonist. I think he is one of these ideologues who, like the emperor, thinks very greatly of himself. Mm. I sound like an emperor, galactic empire shill.
2: <laughs> I mean, I, don't like it. I mean,
1: Harry is, is what? Until Gale, the only person that's been able to solve this math in the universe.
0: He brought her and not that, all right. He does say that Abraxis was debate, that she wasn't debate, so he couldn't have known it was her. But either way, he brings her from her planet, she's banished from her planet, and the only purpose she's there for that we know of is just to prove his math right.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Well, we to, prove it, cr- to prove it wrong is what the Empire wants her to do.
0: He knows it's right. Yeah, I know. So, he's bringing someone who he has qualified through Abraxas. So, Abraxis is like this giant puzzle nobody has solved for Half a, you know, well, five centuries pretty much, right? Mm -hmm. And this girl solves it, so she makes herself an uh, authoritative figure on on mathematics and being able to, I guess, be skilled enough to look into psycho history, right? Mm Mm-hmm. And the big issue here is that Harry's psychohistory, the, the prediction of what large masses of people are going to do is leading him to only one conclusion or one main conclusion, which is that the empire is going to fall and it's going to throw the entire human race into 30,000 years of darkness. And so his main goal out of all this is not to stop the 30 years of darkness, but it's to lessen, to soften the blow, to you know, lessen the impact of it. So, he is trying to create this foundation that can lessen it to a thousand years instead of 30,000 years. Mm. And this foundation would be like if the earth was destroyed tomorrow and we had no history to show, everyone would have to start from scratch, right? Yeah. Whoever was left over for the most part. Mm -hmm. He's trying to prevent something like that happening Mm. from what I understand. By the way, this show is a nightmare to write notes about because autocorrect on these names, oh so it was my, killing my me.
1: notes are lit up like crazy it's like a it's like a christmas tree with no yeah green.
0: no mine's like the red sea
1: <laughs> you know okay i go ahead what were we talking about we were talking about something two seconds ago we were talking um,
0: about harry using the foundation as like a, a noah's ark of sorts to save humankind
1: yeah you know i i do we know like what year this is actually set in yet I made comment of, of something like, 12, you did. You said earlier. something that I don't, I don't know if that's what, what year we're actually kind of set in, but supposedly
0: I, I read that this, that the foundation is supposed to begin like Cleon the first is 50,000 mm-hmm. years. In let's the future, say let's go back like to 19, let's, yeah, from today or from 1950, which is, you made a great point about the Galactic Encyclopedia, if you want to oh, bring it up.
1: Yeah. And I, I was, uh, we, were, we were talking offline for a moment and I was just like, you know, I find it hard to believe that we're, wh- whatever it would have been, 12,000 years, 50,000 years into the future, m- and we don't have this thing called the internet where we could store all of this information. It kind of just feels like like he's literally going off on on his own to to build the internet or, or something like that. I, I thought that was a little,
3: yeah, little, little weak of-, <laughs> of an idea.
1: <laughs> the whole premise
0: of the show is to create the internet. It's a bit underwhelming. Yeah, But how can you blame the guy? He wrote it in 1950. How is he going to predict the internet?
1: Uh, it's true it's true i mean it's it's a decent idea
0: we need this thing to transmit information across
2: this space and time
1: not being an issue you know thinking about it though like you've got (laughs) you've got all i mean i don't again i don't know how much of this stuff is in the book but when you look at 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 stories like this like these science fiction things Mm -hmm. um i mean we've got holograms and we've got all of this like crazy technology. It's like the internet just seems so underwhelming. It's like, yeah, I've just got this metal stick that I can touch and it will just, you know, just display some imagery right out of it. You'll be able to, to read it and and manipulate it.
0: I don't know. This is
2: true.
1: I do think a lot of people are
0: like Harry is saying, I feel like you could take a probability by looking at society and see where it will go. (laughs) Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of famous figures who predicted things that occurred, you know, they, I don't know if you've ever seen an interview with Jim Morrison from The Doors, mm. but he pretty much predicts the creation of house music. You know, he's like, in the really? future, there won't be any words. It'll just be sounds and it'll be a person creating <laughs> the sound. It's like, he lit, it's an interview and he's just pretty much, you know, prophesying the, the creation of house music. It's, it's like 50, 60 years ago, probably more. That's funny. Isn't that insane? I
1: was I was gonna make one other comment, right? So, all right, let let's assume that we are fifty years into the future now, from nineteen right? mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, fifty, right? Fifty thousand years. But again, kind of kind of poking fun at are you using heroes. prediction <laughs> a little. Well, <laughs> no, yeah. I think that's just more of like a nostalgic element at yeah. this point, right? Yeah. Um, no, but but kind of poking fun at the predictions, right? The empire will fall. I mean, dang. Look at, look at all of the other empires that have fallen. It just seems like a logical thing to say that at some point, you know, this is, this is just going to go down. It's not, not if bad. you're the empire. Well, no, I mean, you don't, you don't want to hear that. You don't want to be the last
0: king. It's like Kevin Costner's character in Yellowstone. You don't want to be the last. You don't want to be the one who didn't steward the family's wealth or land properly, you know?
1: It's kind of, this little conversation kind of reminds me of uh the generator situation in uh season yeah uh, silo. Three of silo yeah you don't
0: you don't want to be the mayor that all the the crap hit the fan on you know yeah. you the one that human the civilization collapsed under you yeah. know, like let you know let it be the next guy, just not me, please yeah you know it's probably the approach, but I enjoy the perspective of these emperors because in in most of the time, you don't get to see the antagonist in a more personal level. Mm-hmm. And what this show, I think, does a decent job of is the Emperor doesn't seem wholly evil. He seems just, you know, maybe like 75-25, right? Self-interested. <laughs> that's a generous split. All right, yeah. go ahead. I'm saying like evil, 75-25, good. Okay. Right? Because he's not stupid. That's the one thing we're seeing. I mean, you're seeing the when the Thesp- Thespis?
1: Uh, that's, yeah, that sounds right.
0: If we can fact check that the thespis Th- Thespin. and the anacreans. Thespis, thespis, thespis. Okay, the thespis and the anacreans meet before the emperor, and they provide these gifts. Mm-hmm. And the show does a great. Uh, there's a line that says, "Arts are simply politics, sweeter tongue. Our attention to details, how we maintain peace." He reads the gifts as the message that each of the tribes that are presented before him, the the message that they're trying to send to the empire. So the thespis are. Their little, si- the little sphere, not the sphere, the uh, rectangular thing that they give them, the box, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, 25% of it is made of palladium. I guess the metal that is on their planet. So that's their way of saying we're willing to raise our tax from 10% to 25% of mm. palladium. That's how much we're willing to pay you. And the anachronis, there's metal missing from the tip of the arrow, which that's their signal of saying that we need metal. We need palladium. Mm. So that's what's bringing them both to the table. It's at the heart of the conflict. And he's relaying that to Don, who is the emperor in training, you know? Yeah. So pretty much like he treats his younger self because they're all the same person, right? But he treats his younger self like a son and his older self like a father, in mm-hmm. a way. Gale and the seer church. Gale, although someone who's broken with tradition because she feels like her planet is doomed, she's come to Trantor to try to save her planet, of Synax. She thinks that they're going to be underwater, and the whole planet is pretty much underwater. Yeah, right? it looks so. it
1: looks like that uh, one planet from A Star what was it, Wars: Interstellar. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, Wars. there is there is one in Star Wars, the of Baba course, Boba Fett planet. <laughs> yeah. It, it yeah. kind of it kind of looked like that when I first it saw did. it. I didn't the see any buildings; ones. it's just like one floating like raft at that point. They're standing yeah. on top of their houses.
0: Yeah. Well, she visits the Old Seer Church because although they rip the prayer stones from her face, she still wants to see if, if they know her. I think she's tormented by the fact that maybe God doesn't see her. And, and,
2: you know, mm, I could see that.
0: Which is interesting because a lot of these mathematics types don't even believe in God. At least nowadays, that's what, you know.
1: Yeah, you, you, you explain it away, right? Like, the, that's, that's the... Well,
0: maybe, I'm, I'm definitely wrong on that, but I think the most vocal type... <clears throat> you know, very much prides themselves in when Harry goes, it's the science, you know, (laughs) but she's very much, you know, mathematical, but at the same time, spiritual and, and believing her culture and, and I guess the God of her culture. Mm -hmm. And she does get given a way out by the man she visits. Cause he does tell her, you've solved an ancient puzzle. You saved. you've solved an ancient life puzzle, but cheapened life by solving it. Mm. Which is a conundrum, right? Sure. By solving the puzzle, she is predicting the doom of mankind. And the people are so wrapped up in this prediction of, of their end that it, it almost feels like a self fulfilling prophecy from the outside looking in.
2: Mm.
1: How do you like Gail's apartment? Or temporary it's, it's, apartment? It's uh it's nice. I the, the view is nice. Mind. Yeah. I mean, you're not underground from what I can tell, so that's That's pleasant. I bet it's expensive. I can only imagine how much it would cost to live on some of like the upper levels. What's inflation like in Trantor? 50,000 years in the future. Great question. (laughs) If only I had one penny and I lived then. Uh
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a good point. How much would a penny be worth 50,000 years from now?
1: I don't even know.
0: Would a penny even exist? I mean, if we're talking about empires falling, you know
1: yeah true probably wouldn't, hasn't, there, it wouldn't be worth anything at
3: this point
0: there hasn't been one on earth that hasn't fallen so
3: exactly knock, knock on wood exactly the night before the arrest i gotta say <clears throat> considering
0: we saw this emperor touch somebody on the forehead in this episode and vaporize him into absolute nothingness blood blood yeah. and nothingness blood dust it <laughs> just
1: exploded
0: <laughs> which by the way does that mean if the emperor touches you you must die that's what i took i i don't know i don't think so i think i think it is because the guy goes because <laughs> he got touched in the face mm. i think it's like the you know you know the ark of the covenant type yeah you're you know you and don't you die. don't look at god you know don't you know
1: I don't know, but I now now that you have said that though, I'm gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm going to pay close attention to anything that he does touch or anybody he does touch.
0: Yeah. Gail's very calm before the night of her arrest. At least calmer than I feel I would be if I was had just left home and I was about to be arrested on a foreign planet.
1: She she left a planet where she I I guess would have been arrested just to come here to be mm. arrested. Solid point. Yeah.
0: Solid point she couldn't avoid arrest. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have Harry hate all over my put side note. Harry calls it psychohistory, but is it more like a self-fulfilling prophecy question? <laughs> I put... He is kind of egomaniacal in his own right, bringing someone to Trantor just for his own motive. Mm-hmm. But anyways, beyond that, Gale's arrested, Harry's arrested. They're both charged with high treason. Conspiracy to destabilize the Imperium is the charge they go with against both of them. And they're brought before trial by these fancier looking stormtroopers exactly yeah
1: they, they, they can uh, turn their heads right? they can move,
3: move a little more yeah a little more flexible Harry's from a planet called Helicon hold on flash.
0: I had my phone on do not disturb but you know how many times you have to call to, to break do not disturb?
1: two yeah <laughs> we, we should have a control for that so we can bump that limit up
0: yeah harry is from helicon but we have we don't really have too much knowledge of that planet the three planets that we have found out about so far on this show are trantor synax and terminus yep oh and i guess the anacrian and Thespian planet
1: uh, yeah we don't see it though like I, I guess we're just we're are they on different planets or are they like two tribes on one planet
0: that's a good question it feels like two different planets because there's a comment made by the emperor that there was a media like an asteroid, that floated into the Thespens airspace or the Anacreon's airspace. I forget which one. Hmm. And that's the key. Okay. Well, we have the trial, and the attorney against Harry is is none other than the man who dates Polly Shelby in Peaky Blinders.
1: I knew he looked familiar. I was trying to place who he was this the whole time.
0: Yeah, he's the portrait artist. Who's super <laughs> random and Peaky binders?
1: Yes, very. Thank you for calling that out. I, it was driving me crazy. I'm like, who is this guy? Is he from Friends? Like, what? Yeah.
0: Harry is a professor of probability theory at Streeling University. I'm assuming the leading university of Trantor. And he's become this polarizing figure. Because he's predicting that the empire will lie in ruins within the next five centuries. I put in parentheses. That's pretty broad, Harry.
1: <laughs>
0: five hundred years.
1: It'll happen at some point. Like weren't we're how how long were, was the uh, clones going on? You said there was tw- we're on the twelfth clone. What was 12th it? 12th. Five centuries. Five centuries that, that they've been ruling. Yeah. So that's yeah. Four centuries they've been ruling. Well,
0: four centuries of peace supposedly. Okay.
1: So so basically. Okay. Yeah. That's a that's a wide wide number. Harry doesn't
0: present a very great game plan. Like I'm I'm not listening to Harry's game plan if he comes to me and tells me this personally. He's saying, "Hey, we're destined for doom here. I'm just trying to lessen the fall." I'm like, "Sounds like you're trying to create a new industry, Harry. Sounds Phantom like you're trying to right get a here. nice." You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, "Oh, there's no way we can get out of this." Like, "Come on."
1: Yeah, you know, that that's one other thing that I kind of I don't I don't know. I, I thought it was that a little would've... odd, right? Like, sure, I know you can't predict the individual, right? Mm-hmm. But he can, he can predict these large events. Like, don't you think if you if you knew, you would be able to do something? Like, mm-hmm. I get the emperor's perspective on this, where it's like, well, tell us, like, we we can change that.
0: I feel like it's rife with plot holes. Rife. Like, think about it. I can't. I can predict the. All right. I can predict the movements and the actions of a large scale of people, but I cannot predict the action of the individual. Well, what makes up the large groups of people? (laughs) That means he can't predict something catastrophic is going to happen, but I don't know when, how, or who it's going to be. First of all, I don't think mathematics could ever prove that. I do think mathematics could point to um, some sort of forecasting of what people will do. I think that is 100%. Yeah. Yeah, statistics, sociological um, statistics in a way, right? Like where, yep. like for example, you ever hear, um, I've heard people talk about in riots, like when there's large groups of people, more people are, des- Like, are it's easier for people to do
3: terrible things. Mm-hmm. Like if everyone is in the middle of, of a riot. You never heard that theory before? No. Yeah, look it up.
0: Look it up. It's What's like, the name a, it? don't do it now. We'll maybe bring it up later. All right.
3: All right I'll look it up later.
0: It's like, if you listen, look up psychological professors, there's been studies on why like one action of violence could spur on more if it's in, mm. in the midst of a group of large people.
1: It's, it's like groupthink. Yeah.
0: Something <laughs> like that. Well, we get another cool line a rotten tree trunk appears strong until a storm breaks it in two.
1: Still. Count me against
0: Harry's plan here.
1: It, you know that, that that seems like a uh, line that would be lost to time at this point, don't you think? Why? Because so many people here live underground, and there's not like the only old tradition. The, the only thing that looks like Earth is literally just this this empire's little land here. Everything else is is a cityscape. Which, by the way,
0: do you notice in the background when Gerald's walking with Gale through the garden, uh, which we which answers our question as to what Rache and um, Harry are talking about whether she's been compromised in a way, right? Mm-hmm. The Empire is trying to get her to disavow the mathematics to essentially stabilize peace, right? You know, yeah. make, him, make Harry a heretic, right? Yeah. Harry a heretic. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> anyways. I get it. Gerald, as he's walking through the garden with Gale, you see this cityscape in the background, almost looks like New York skyline. I wonder if that's a city in ruins from the old days or whether that's Trantor.
1: I, I think it's Trantor. I mean, yeah. I, I can't... I don't think this is Earth. Like, I, I, don't, yeah. I don't think this is... Oh, any, no. Ag- like, we're gonna, I don't even think Earth, like, exists in this universe.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I like Gerald's character, man. A lot. Really? He doesn't... He seems like a double... He doesn't seem like Littlefinger from Game of Thrones. He seems... He seems sincere. He doesn't seem like a spymaster who's evil. He seems like a sincere guy.
1: I, I think that's just what makes him good at his job.
0: You think so? You think I'm giving him too much of a benefit of the doubt?
1: I do. I mean... He tells her that she,
0: he knows that she woke up during the jump. And he didn't tell anybody about it.
1: So, you know, me, I wonder... I don't know what, what, what relevance that would have. I was going to say, like, did he do something so that she woke up during the middle of the jump? And this is just, like, something he wanted to use later, but I, I don't really see the significance of it. He kind
0: of
3: looks like Fred Armisen's brother. Who? Fred Armisen, if you look it up. The comedian. Hmm. You ever seen the, the little clip of the dictator? Oh, that guy. I know. I know him.
0: Says, yeah. Cook, overcooked chicken, straight to jail. Undercooked chicken, <laughs> believe it or not, straight to jail. Anyways, uh, the Prime Radiant. I gotta say, if we were talking about the paper clips and silo holding up very important documents, is yeah. this the only copy of Harry's psycho history and the downfall of man? Is it in this little glass cube?
1: Uh, that's a good question. Probably seems like something you could destroy. I mean, again, <laughs> Why again, I just there's break no, it? there's no encyclopedia yet no encyclopedia galactica there, there's no internet right like it's gotta just well, be in this one be little thing f-
0: to be fair the prime radiant puts the internet to shame like the way that thing looks to your point of what you were saying earlier like some of the yeah. technology even though they couldn't predict things like the internet yeah the prime radiant looks insane
1: it does look insane i i would love to know how they can comprehend it it's just like it's like one of those people who you know you're just you're seeing numbers fly all over the place it looks like a what was that one movie? Was it Limitless, where it's just like, oh yeah, pop this pill, and yeah. you see all these yeah. things. Everything makes Limitless. sense. I get it now.
0: Underrated movie, by the way. It's a great yeah. movie. Trial Day Two. Harry unfolds his plan about the Foundation being a, being the the hope, the the way to soften the blow of mankind. I don't know what's going to happen because we do see that the Foundation is in Terminus, which means that's like the last true civilization, but. To me, it's like Harry wants to make his own
3: empire, right? Ah, uh, I don't know if he wants to make his own empire. <sighs> I don't. I don't know if he's that.
1: Um,
0: I'm not a revolutionary, but uh, I want to. I want to be a revolutionary.
1: I don't. Yeah. I mean, I he him going to terminus is just because it, it's on the outskirts, right? Like it's like we can we can do things that they won't know about, right? We can work on things that they won't see. Um, so I, I don't know. Can I, I don't, can I. I don't think he'll make his own empire.
0: Can I mention that on trial day two Cause they, did try to get Gale to disavow
2: mm-hmm.
0: the math. I think there would have been more effective ways to do that. Why not bring her family from Synax and threaten like to kill them? You know, if you're going to go evil and try to, you know, cause this is wrong already, right? You're trying to get someone yeah. to lie that the math is wrong, even though it's right. Yeah, you know what would stop? Do you think the emperor, who's been listening to her on her planet, wouldn't do this? Hmm. He had a plant there on the ship, and Gerald, he was already there. Yeah. Any, anyway, so just hypo, no. Know, I mean that hypothesis.
1: that's a that's a good point. It's, I also it's definitely a better way to get some leverage here. The, the yeah. only thing I, I I would be thinking is like, well, that kind of you know puts points more fingers towards you as somebody who's trying to manipulate the thing. That could potentially make things even worse.
0: Yeah. I also wanted to make mention of the fact that this lawyer from the trial is horrible. Uh, He essentially makes her more of an authority figure on her topic by saying, so you're saying you left your planet, you broke all traditions, you were going to be imprisoned, they ripped the prayer stones from your face, you risked being a complete social pariah to come over here to say, you solved the, an ancient puzzle hasn't been solved in 500 years. You know what I mean? He's like- It does, the, it what does she, lend more credit to it. What yeah. she says next is going to be freaking gospel. <laughs> she left her family. She left her only planet left that she everything. had only ever seen. You know, way to make her an authority figure.
1: Yeah. Seriously.
0: Anyway, she does reaffirm that Harry's math is correct. And that the empire is dying, and the old emperor immediately goes kill him. <laughs> that guy is the most useless character in this show. I promise you that. The old emperor useless.
1: Yeah, it, you know it. It's the old emperor looks like the the
3: Cleon uh, the first clone. It looks like like he was at that age. I wonder. Yes. yes. I wonder if there's, like, a biological, like, limit here on
2: yeah, what the,
1: what's going to happen with, uh, with the older emperor, probably.
0: Well, we have a Starbridge terror attack. And on the rewatch now, I'm clearly seeing that this is a Thespian and an Anacrian. You got a Middle Eastern looking guy and you got, like, this white North European looking guy with very blue eyes. The only reason I knew it was both of them is because the blue eyes on the white guy because mm. of the, the way they emphasize the blue eyes on the Thespians earlier. I think it's Thespis. I don't know, whatever. We gotta look it up. And we, we need, I believe it's
2: Thespian. We need, Thespin.
0: We need a, a Jimmy fact check here. Anyways, these guys are pure evil. The Anacreon literally has a little kid looking straight into his eyes on this elevator heading down, and he blows up the elevator. I gotta say, man, if your tower, your
3: whole civilization can be taken out by two bombs. Horrible architecture. I mean, we're 50,000 years in the future. There's got to be something to prevent
0: the entire Starbridge collapsing and this giant rod whipping down and instantly killing 100 million people. Yeah. That's the number, by the way. Rache says it's 100 million dead. That's the starting number.
3: And it ripped like 50 levels deep across the entire planet. 50 levels deep. Yeah. Isn't the planet only 100 levels deep? Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. No, man. This
0: was, this was diabolical. Also, I- <laughs> in crazy, when I, fir- when I first saw this episode and they did this in episode one, I feel like a normal show would do this at the very end of the season. Mm. Right? This would be like a season ender. But Apple TV puts this thing on the pilot. They say, no, nah, we're going to take down the Bridge, episode one, end of the episode. And then there's going to still be like 10 minutes after the episode. It's not going to just end with the, with the explosion. Yeah, what a cliffhanger that would be there. <laughs> yeah. And they and could have done it and you would understand why they do it because it would be a hell of a cliffhanger,
1: this right? Is, look, look at that ripping. See, see how tall that layer is? That's insane. Oh my
0: gosh. I feel like, like every one of those layers is an individual silo.
1: Every one of the, the layers just looks like normal. Like it, it's so tall and massive that if you were to walk outside
3: right now, wherever you are, it would just, it would look the same. It's that big. Hmm. Yeah, it's pretty insane. I don't know if it was
0: exaggeration but the emperor literally says that it wrapped around the planet I, I cannot believe that that thing was long enough to wrap around an entire planet it doesn't make any sense to me
3: it,
1: I mean it, it is very tall the planet does look very massive I don't know yeah. but I, I mean in the distance I still see it falling um, so Thespis is the planet Thespins are what they are
0: Thespis is the planet Thespins are what they are
1: yeah they are, they are Thespin. Now Anacreon is the name of the planet.
0: And Anacreon. But it,
1: they're also Anacreons.
0: Got it. Yeah. I feel like I'd get along better with Thespans. Eh,
1: I, I haven't put much thought into it.
0: <laughs> they just, what it is, is that when he started making comments, like you're talking crap in the middle of the mural tour. hmm That was the Anacreon side. Thespin side didn't do that.
3: Mm. Then yeah,
0: I would agree. But although the Thespans look, I mean, they both look like they're- pains in the asses to have to deal with look
3: at what they're wearing
0: they're wearing like these boxy
1: robes with these dumb hats
3: way to sum that up meanwhile the emperor
1: is just up here in like some bulletproof armor
0: (laughs) (laughs) of all the people you meet in this episode the emperor might be one of the more likable ones
1: not, he's not he's really, definitely not really. one of the most I'm memorable, that's for sure. No, I don't know I, if I would call I'm him I'm, t- I'm totally kidding. I'm <laughs> totally
0: kidding. The, the likable characters in this episode are Gail Raish and um <clears throat> the people you meet in Terminus, Salvor and the kids.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't put Harry in the list of like No, people neither had. would
0: I. I don't think Harry's likable. I, I think Harry is an obnoxious. He's got his own
1: agenda. He yeah. he he doesn't I don't think he really cares about others for the most I mean, well maybe he does I don't know I, I'm just <laughs> saying
0: his solution is not a solution it's actually not that diabolical to be honest with you <clears throat> hey I just want
1: how about you do that though one on one how about mm. you don't terrify the entire population of people well I think it was it was the emperor that wanted to put this on display for some reason and I don't really know why Like they, they put this trial where he came out and said that and then the same thing where she came out and basically reiterated what he says on, on display for the entire planet, maybe the universe to see. I, that I don't no. understand. That just seemed like a very foolish move. Raish visits Gail the
0: day before they go before the Emperor. And he does try to get her to disavow Harry and his math. I didn't know if that was sincere, if Raish was actually having a, a faltering of faith there. Mm-hmm. Or if that was uh, a ploy to see if she had turned, or I don't know. I felt
1: like it was a ploy.
0: Did you? I, it, I thought it was sincere. It seems like he seems to like her.
1: I think that he seems to like her. Yes, he doesn't want her to die. At, at the same time, like I don't, like I haven't seen enough of, of that like a uh, relationship develop in this episode to, to think that he would do it because he cares about her. Yeah. Right, and and it almost looked like. It almost looked like a setup, um, almost, right? I mean, he's in there. The moment that she, she says that basically she won't disavow what he, what, what he said because he's right, these guards come in and take her away, right?
3: It's almost like they put him up to, hey, one last attempt. Get her to say it's wrong. That's yeah. kind of how it felt to me. They finally meet the emperor. Harry and Gale feels like the whole episode's a
0: collision course for this moment. The Emperor now has to show face here, because his whole damn planet is in ruin because his tower fell overnight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he he holds Harry responsible for all of this because of pretty much causing hysteria with his theories. I kind of agree, and he's deciding whether or not to kill them here. Pretty much, that's really what's going on.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Harry says. I can't predict what the individual does to society. The emperor says, that's very convenient. I I agree. agree. I agree. And Gail doubles down in her support of Harry. Essentially lying
3: and saying that the emperor is
0: going to die one year. One year before. I mean, within the year.
3: Hmm. If he kills them.
0: Which is not a full on lie. But seems like a, a pretty convenient lie. And I think we finally see Harry's true political motivations here, which is, he says, the only way to stop and to shorten the darkness is to end genetic cloning, Mm -hmm. which I can agree genetic cloning, I wouldn't be for it. It wouldn't be something that if I'm going to vote for president would be on my, uh, (laughs) would not be something I was in favor for. However, it's definitely his clear political motivation Mm. to end genetic cloning.
3: Yeah. Now, I don't... Do you think he's
1: making this up just to try and end that and push something new?
0: I think Harry's a revolutionary. I think in his own way, he's like the emperor. because think about what he's petitioning for. In this scenario that Harry gets what he wants, is he not going to be the next leader in line? Or someone like him? I mean, he
1: he, he seems to have a big, a large enough following that the emperor's, I mean a He's little a nervous about it yeah definitely a threat they want to send to the outside of everything yeah. the outside of the you know the universe whatever their their galactic reign here yeah you know you also put, uh, one one other comment right like the whole the whole hey i have this broad prediction right in the next <laughs> at some point in the next 500 years you know the empire is going to fall yeah to 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 then go from that super broad idea to focus that immediately in on end cloning
0: yeah right i agree how do you put that in mathematical terms i did the numbers on this if you end cloning we will end this this darkness in 100 200 years oh Yeah. yeah pal show me the math yeah like how do you even you can't put that in numbers it's i think psychohistory is a mix of mathematics and psychology and history and history yeah Maybe that's the reason that Prime Radiant looks the way it does because to actually show that cycle history doesn't even exist today, not yeah. in the way that Harry is describing. Hmm. I don't think it exists today. I think predictive models exist 100%, mm-hmm. but not to the extent where you can isolate a single action being able to ma- mathematically prove that one action would solve X.
2: Yeah,
1: no, and okay. I, I, I mean, that. that's the whole point. Like, I, I think maybe he's taking. Advantage of this catastrophic event that might be real, right who knows I mean again, just saying, hey in the next 500 years something bad's going to happen yeah um, seems seems like a plausible uh, thing to to put your money on um, maybe maybe this is really just him kind of like taking advantage of that to try and end something that you know he has a, like a political agenda for
0: yeah, and he's not very he's just very disingenuous in terms of The way he responds to things, you have the emperor's decision. He he does come down on the side that when you hear his decision on what he's going to do with Harry and Gale, it's like, oh, why didn't I see that the whole time? That is such the obvious. That is the clear move here, Mm -hmm. which is that he's not going to kill either of them. It's not the optimal outcome. He's going to let them continue to refine psychohistory away from the planet so they can't cause any more issues in my capital. I'm going to put you in between these two barbarian kingdoms. I'm going to forbid you jump drive technology and all the new technology. And if your foundation works out, I'm going to use it to just bolster my empire and continue genetic cloning. And if you're wrong, you'll just wither away in obscurity on some planet nobody cares about. It's isolated and abandoned, the entire planet. It has no minerals, no anything. So they're now, after meeting with the emperor as he's sitting there smug, kind of like, you know, looking like Thanos. (laughs) Yeah. with his with his master plan mm-hmm. they're now left with a journey to trantor which is going to take 878 days once again reminds me of that movie um it's, a, it's an anime cartoon
2: oh then i i movie. won't be of help trying to remember the
1: name of that
0: i mentioned the name of it now i can't remember it again but um pretty much like this ship goes out and it's the hope of mankind Mhm. I thought it was kind of dumb here as they're leaving the meeting with the emperor where he tells him you can leave the planet. Mm -hmm. He's listening everywhere and you're going to ask her now, Hey, did you lie about that whole thing about him being dead within the year? And she pretty much admits as much. Mm -hmm. Everyone is listening. If he heard that, would he not say, Hey, bring him back in here. (laughs) Bring him back in here. Let me touch him on the forehead real quick.
1: (laughs) I don't know. Yes. (laughs) You think, you think he'd just immediately kill him? Oh well,
3: yeah. I I I think
1: he he's he's making a bet that Harry is right. I don't think it matters so much if she's right that he's going to die or because, lying to him. because he he's basically sending him Solid out point. to his eventual death. Right, like he's gonna he's gonna go to this plant on the outskirts and be there essentially forever, and he'll die. Solid point. Right, but at the same time he's giving himself some, some ammunition to say like well if you're right right well then great i'll use it but nobody's gonna nobody's gonna hear of you you're still gonna be out on this outskirts planet and you're still gonna die
3: yeah
0: if i'm not mistaken there as they're leaving the place you can see the Anacreon and the thespans walking side by side and i think they're in cuffs <laughs>
1: I be, would imagine so based on the way that their uh, last interaction was with the emperor. <laughs> well, he, he holds them responsible. He thinks yeah. mm-hmm, <clears throat> there was reports
0: of an Acrian and Thespian war cries before the explosion. Mm-hmm. And he says, oh, how convenient. Your, your delegations, your
1: party delegations are here
0: at the same time this occurs, which is the reason I think that they did not have anything to do with it.
1: I was going to ask mean, what your thoughts <clears throat> were on this. Did they, did they do it? Did they not do it?
0: I, don't, I think that would be so dumb if I did something like that. Why would I be on the planet that it occurs on? You know, you get what I'm saying? Like, I'm going to, not going to be there because I don't want to be killed by the emperor. You know? True. Okay. Flash forward. That is the last we see of Gale and Harry for now. We go 35 years forward again. We see Salvor on Terminus. We get a little narration from Gale about the vaults. Salvor Harden, how important she is to the fate of the foundation and mankind. She lives in the foundation. We find out that that's what the civilization on Terminus is. Mm Mm-hmm. And the last we see of Salvor is approaching this vault that we thought was untouchable until this moment where she goes and walks right past all of the flags that repulsed everybody away or mm-hmm. was the fur- closest anyone could get. And she touches the vault. What's inside the vault, we don't know. You don't know, unless you read the books, probably. But you can find out with us on the next... Well, not next one, maybe, but... on these next nine episodes of the foundation by story archives and that concludes episode one the emperor's peace
1: such a dense episode but the most dense we've ever covered
0: on this entire channel so
1: much world building they did a good
0: job within one episode to world build though
1: i i agree i i mean we we're introduced to three planets this, this whole episode is told over the span of, like, or, or within the span of 35 years. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of
3: politics at play here. Mm-hmm. Overall, very, very interesting, I, I think. A little difficult
1: to follow at times. I, I like, I, I remember, it's been a while since I've watched it, uh, since I watched it the first time. I but feel I, much I do better one
0: rewatch. So. Same,
1: same. Um, I, I do remember when I did watch it the first time. Like there were multiple moments where I was like, "Wait, what just happened?" I had to roll it back and try and like piecemeal it together. But um, now, o- overall, I think it was. I think it was a really good episode. I, I enjoyed it. Um, I don't recall everything that happens in season one, but I'm excited to rewatch it and prep for season two. I'm, I'm looking forward to the show. I was, I was happy with it the first time I saw it, and I'm sure season two will be even better.
0: Yeah, I thought it was a great episode for a show that has such dense uh, subject matter, and you have to do so much world building in, a, in pretty much an hour and ten minutes. Mm. I think they did a pretty good job of, of setting the che- setting the board, setting the pieces, letting you know who the players are, and um, it's easy enough to follow, I think. You, know, you have a galactic empire who wants to maintain peace. They're on the 12th run of this genetic weird clone mm-hmm. dynasty going on. You got the Heretic prophet type in Harry Seldon, who's a revolutionary who wants to do away with genetic cloning, who sees the doom of this falling empire and he sees that it is inevitable at this point. Similar to the America, America and the debt ceiling going on and like how much debt we have. We, <laughs> you know, think about it. If you want to think about it in that way, you, mm-hmm. know, you know, eventually we're just passing, it's like hot potato. You know, who's holding the bomb at the last one? Who's holding the hot potato at the end? Yeah. Right? Somebody's going to have to pay for it. It's inevitable. How can we soften the landing, mm-hmm. right? That's what he's petitioning for. So it, so it does make sense in that, in that regard where it's so clear that there's going to be drastic repercussions for this wild irresponsibility on um, earlier generations. You have Harry, you have Rache, his uh, son figure. You have Gail, who's the um, prophet in training, kind of chosen one figure. Mm -hmm. You have Salvo Hardin, who's the most mysterious of the episode. We don't know what role she plays yet. Her story unfolds over the season. Also also
1: seems like a chosen one, right? Like, we we have two primary leads here. One being Gale and the other being Salvo. So, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: don't, again, yeah, we didn't see much of her in this, but we we did get enough to know she's special.
0: Yes, sir. All right, well, let's get into some... uh, categories here zach i think you had some questions i do prior to the episode let's round those out and then get to the outro here
1: cool so the first question i've got is who is your favorite character and why
0: the emperor hands down i think he's in order for this show to work you need the middle emperor the one who's in power Mm -hmm. to be a compelling figure somebody who can steal scenes who's epic Lee Pace is that actor. He's a mm. great fit for it. Not saying he's the only person who could have played it, but once you see him as, as the character, it's like, Can't oh, this is, him def- as somebody else. this is definitely Emperor Cleon. You know, yeah. this is him,
1: yeah. Yeah, well, I, I agree with yours, but I'm gonna pick somebody else. Uh, okay. I'm gonna say it's Gail. It's
3: Gail. Um, interesting.
1: I, I think, you know, just, I'm not sure how much of the, the series is gonna feel this way, but at the moment, it really does feel like this story is, is almost more about her and her journey than it is the Emperor and all of these other things. Like, it, it almost feels like those are, those are just things that are, that are kind of, like, happening as she's, like, navigating this, uh, this path. So, mm-hmm. I'll stick with her. She also, uh, I, I think, uh, got jerked around a bit <laughs> with the uh, being arrested. Oh, yeah, for the sure. day after she gets here, you know that, sure. that's that's got to be such a letdown, but I thought uh
0: well, she saved I th- I her, she, she saved her good. own life and Harry's life pretty much yeah. by by lying about the emperor dying
1: yeah she she's picking up on on how to play pretty quickly. Mm-hmm.
3: All right, next one I've got is what was the best scene in the episode, and why? Hm, that's tough. That is tough. I would have to say the whole sequence
0: of. The tower coming down, mm. combined with the the final like Harry and Gale meeting the Emperor in person, mm. like all of that leading up to it. it, was just so epic.
3: That's a good one.
1: I think uh, it definitely helps to show the uh, the scale of everything on, on *Terminus* for sure.
3: <sighs> if I had to to pick one, this is, this is a really tough one. I might go with huh maybe it's the uh, maybe it's the removal of of her prayer stones early on it's just
1: that that whole sequence of and, and I guess idea of her kind of like removing herself from like the religion and she can't be seen anymore I'm curious to see what that's all about. I, we didn't get much about what they really believe in this episode, from my understanding. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious about it. It's really hard for me to pick, pick a favorite scene in this. There's, there's a lot going on. Yeah. How about best line of the episode?
0: Oh, I've got one. It's when Harry is petitioning them. I got two, actually, but I'll pick this one. Harry's petitioning them to end genetic cloning. He's saying, you offer nothing new. Just a younger grape from the same vine destined for the same old bottle. And it cuts to like each one of the emperors as it's happening. Yeah. It's pretty, that's a pretty good one. I have a second one. If you don't use it, I'll say it.
1: Okay. My, mine, the one that I liked was this won't be the most important thing yeah. you do this week, <laughs> but this is the most important thing that they'll be. do in their lifetime. I, I, I think that was a nice line to, uh, again, kind of get the perspective of these emperors and how superior they are to everybody everything After they do, is they important. think they are yeah. yeah yeah all right any other standout performances that you may have enjoyed
0: gerald i mentioned gerald i thought he was great in the episode um, um i thought he stood out a lot i thought and i thought um harry's character great
1: i'm i'm gonna go with brother day i i, I think
0: oh the emperor yeah
1: the the, the the emperor here i i think uh I mean, again, you, you mentioned it earlier when you were talking about him as, as your favorite character. I think he just really nailed it. I can't yeah. picture the Emperor, Brother Day, whatever, being anybody else at this point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
1: All right. Anything else? Any noticeable weaknesses or missed opportunities? We picked on this one a bit. Psychohistory. The whole damn thing. Um, the whole thing. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to agree with that and then just throw in the fact that there's no, uh, th- there's no internet or way of sharing information um, if on, somebody on, can, a, on a galactic scale yet.
0: If somebody thinks they can convince me about psychohistory, please reach out at contact.soapbox.house. I'm, I'm open-minded. Just right now, consider me on the side of the empire.
1: Cool. Well, I think that will do this? it. That okay. wraps up our questions.
0: All right. That about does it. Uh, thank you for tuning in to the first episode of Foundation by Story Archives. You can find it on Apple TV if you want to follow along with us and watch episodes one through 10 before the premiere of season two on July 14th. Also, we have our instant reaction of silo, episode five coming this Friday. Time of day to be determined, Deep Dive coming Sunday, and we are posting a new episode of the Soapbox Business Show. If you're new to the program new. The network. We are a network. We have more than one show. Our other main show at the moment is a business centric interview format show where we bring on professionals across different industries to learn their journeys and learn about the art of business through conversation. Our guest that we're posting this week, after, well, by the time you hear this, it'll be up, is with a neuroscience expert, Dr. Eugene Choi. So, tune in there. We have a backlog of episodes there. If you're interested, let us know how you like that one. Subscribe, follow. All that stuff helps us keep on bringing those ratings in. We love seeing them. We love seeing those emails even more. Um, But the ratings help us get out there, help us continue to do this and invest more time into producing more entertaining content and material for all of you to enjoy out there in the world. And we thank you for listening. Once again, Zach, you can take the outro from here.
1: Absolutely. Well, thank you again for listening to this episode of Foundation by Story Archives. You can find this podcast anywhere you find podcasts, Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, or you can visit a website at soapbox.house where you find links out to this shows and others on the network, just like the one that Mario mentioned, the Soapbox Business Show. Uh, and again, you can send us uh, messages at contact at soapbox.house. If you have theories, comments, suggestions, send them our way. We'd love to hear it. I don't have a quip for this one.
0: Yeah. Yeah, me neither. But uh, (laughs) (laughs) let's go to Terminus (laughs) for the foundation. All All right. right. Thanks for tuning in.